Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hey everyone, it's Heather Newman back here with another Mavens Do It Better podcast. And I'm sitting here today in Los Angeles with a dear friend, Johnny Juice Rosado, DJ Johnny Juice Rosado. That's right. <laughs> and uh, we are chilling today and hanging out and catching up. And he's in town, so I thought, let's do a little podcast together. Um, we've known each other now for a really long time. Met at NAM years ago right. because of Microsoft. That's right. Because I had a, a job with Cakewalk doing their booth and Johnny was uh, one of the speakers and what were you speaking on there? Do you remember? I did a, um, a project um, that was recorded in Sonar for their flagship uh, right. software yep. and I was explaining how the recording process and the mixing process was completed totally within Sonar and I did this this huge type of presentation with the right. song and it was a it was a Public Enemy song with a live band as well, and um, I think we, we were doing a cover of a James Brown song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it was right. Soul Power. Soul something. Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that absolutely. And what was cool about that event? We it was just it was neat because like all the people that worked on it, we've all remained friends and sort of hung with each other, know each other, and you know a lot of those cats before, that's right? right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know those folks. So I got introduced to sort of everybody, then Carl and right. Brandon and. All of those folks. So, mm-hmm. and now see them. I just saw Carl and Brandon at a um, Foo Fighters thing a couple of weeks ago, and I see Carl all over because he goes to the music events here, like I do. Right, so. he's on the West Coast now. Yeah, so. he's pretty fun. So, you mentioned Public Enemy. You want to tell everybody your involvement there about that? Sure. Um, never heard of them. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've uh, I've been involved with Public Enemy since the very first album. Uh, I came on board while they were Spectrum City before they became Public Enemy and they were a radio uh, a radio troupe as well as a, a live uh, DJ uh, kind of crew mm-hmm. so they would go around and do events and they would throw parties that, that's what they were doing and they did radio on college radio and they were really trying to do radio that was mm-hmm. their real thing Right. and their plan was to find rappers and DJs and make groups and manage them that was their whole plan okay Public Enemy was a means to an end. They were gonna. They decided to make a group of, of a song they did called Public Enemy Number One, which was done in '83. And in '86, after being harassed by Rick Rubin, mm-hmm. they finally decided, okay, fine, we'll sign with you. <laughs> it's, it's, seriously, it was just yeah, like that. Right. Chuck didn't want to get signed. He's supposed to be signed as Chucky e. D, but he didn't want to do that. He promised Flav's mom he'd take care of him, so he says. I won't sign unless you sign Flav. Mm-hmm. Now, Flav wasn't a rapper per se, so uh, Russell Simmons especially was like, uh, why am I going to sign a, a, a hype man? Right. You know, he could go on stage with you, but that's oh, I'm not going to sign him. So Chuck says, well, I'm not doing it unless you sign him. Yeah. So when he did that, he couldn't be Chuck D anymore, or Chucky e. D, as right. he was called, so they decided to change the name to Public Enemy. Right. Simultaneously, while they were looking for rappers and DJs, they had a contest to to uh, pick these guys. Mm-hmm. I won the DJ portion of the contest. Oh, okay. Two of the guys that were in my crew at the time that went up there to uh, participate in the contest was a rapper named KBMC. Mm-hmm. 
And the other one was MC Chiloski. Uh, Chiloski decided not to come to the contest because he was in Brooklyn visiting his pops. Those rappers are now known as Charlie Brown and Buster Rhymes on Leads of the New School. Get out of town. They were my, we was a group together before this. Right. So I won the contest. I got down with their crew. And eventually, Chuck bringing me back and forth home because I have a car. Right. He asked me <laughs> if I would like to scratch on some of the records. He played the, uh, a tape and his cougar. Mm. Is, uh, is the cougar Murphy oh the cougar. car yeah, yeah. The cougar. <laughs> so uh, he played the tape and the tape ended up being what would be later Yo Bummers the show wow so I went and scratched on that and that mm. was the beginning of my involvement yeah with Public Enemy and I became a member of the Bomb Squad and right. and the rest is history and yeah. I'm still obviously real tight with Chuck and yeah. and with Charlie Brown and, and mm. Busta and Dinko because and, I did scratching on their first album as well right. and, I, and, I'm, and I've produced a bunch of stuff for, for all of them so actually there's a new Lisa New School album coming out soon yeah. Yes. New new stuff. Yes, new stuff. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, and thank you for helping me connect with Chuck D for the okay. into yeah. action when he came into the social justice panel with us here in LA in January, and he was so lovely, and it was really cool to meet him. So, I really enjoyed that. And you, I like you travel as much as I do. I know, and you do a lot of. Um, teaching and lecturing and stuff. Can you tell folks about that? Because I think it's super cool that you're doing it. You know, you do everything. I mean, you've got your hands on the turntable, you, you're making music, you're producing people, you're teaching. So tell folks about that portion of what you do. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that that we've tried to do, and, and I'm from the Bronx originally, before I moved to Long Island and met Chuck and I, is that we've we've seen the youth succumb to 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 all the dangers and the vices that the city has. Right. So we always try to give back and try to make sure that the children are given more opportunities or better opportunities or, or, or some knowledge right. to help them navigate that, that type of environment. So um, as a member of the Bronx Boys, one of the first B-Boy crews ever in hip-hop, right. okay. started 74 as a graffiti crew, 75 as a B-Boy crew. I'm the vice president, global vice president, 55 chapters worldwide, we uh, we strive to help the children, uh, you know, become better people through the arts that that we've learned growing up, uh, which became eventually hip hop. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another side of the fence. The other side is academia. Right. Now, uh, those people, a lot of times, are fortunate to not have grown up in the areas <laughs> that some of us have. Right. Right. But they still want to understand and they want they want to get a glimpse. Mm-hmm. Or to really fully comprehend why and what, and, and when it comes to hip hop, not just the commercial aspect of right. somebody rapping. So, um, I have three lectures that I, I do. I, I travel. I just came. I was in Hawaii recently yep. at the University of Hawaii, Manoa, um, and the lectures range uh, from uh, theoretical and philosophical to mm-hmm. technical. Right. Starting on the technical uh, portion or the cultural portion, they're starting from scratch, which is one of my lectures, right. where I explain how the hip hop DJ or the turntablist mm-hmm. became what you know the turntablist, right. uh, which is different than a DJ. A DJ plays records, a turntablist manipulates records like an instrument, mm-hmm. and starting from scratch is a is a lecture and a performance together. Cool. So not only do you hear so you bring your lecture, I bring my equipment, oh, okay. and you get, I get to show you how the scratches evolved right. from what they are to what they Behold are now. Behold the purple crayon. Right. Yeah. Did you see the get down? Yes. 
Did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I like A that good too. friend of mine, Raheem from the Furious Five, uh-huh. also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh-huh. uh, was one of the consultants on that as okay. well as Flash. I love that. And there's a reason why it's called the Get Down, because that's the part of the record, the break that was spun so the B-Boys can rock to it. Uh, okay. Call it the Get Down. Yeah. Eventually it was called the Break, and then the Break, the Break Boys would dance to it, and the Break Boys shortened to B-Boys, and the B-Boys. Got it. Or the Bronx Boys. So, uh-huh. yeah, I, I love the show. Um, you know, people kind of panned it saying it wasn't 100% accurate but it wasn't a biography it was yeah a, it was a flavor of what was the time right, right? it was it was yeah. uh, it was based on but it wasn't right. it wasn't trying to be 100% historically accurate right yeah that's but, cool that you right. show you talk about it and then you show everybody too I mean I think I took some Scratch Academy classes right. after we met here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles with that crew because it was I was yeah. like this is fun it, it is it's cool and if the more you get into it the more you realize I mean you can do drum rudiments on the mm-hmm. turntables if you know how to I mean I do right you know I actually notate my scratches in percussion notation oh so yeah so I mean uh, I, when I'm working with my, my uh, good friend Swiss Chris mm-hmm. Grammy award winning drummer for John Legend right well formerly from John Legend and he does his own things now phenomenal drummer so you know we, we did our own lecture together as well it's called the Art of Recycling oh, wow. which I do on my own now but it's I call it Run It uh, the Art <laughs> of Hip Hop Production where I explain how this four or five eras of hip-hop production that are constantly being recycled mm-hmm. uh, and nothing has what changed. What are we in right now? We are in basically <laughs> a third iteration of the of the um, 808 f- uh, phase of hip-hop production or the Marley Mall era where... Is that one, two, or three, or four? Or that would be, that? probably be two. Be two? Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, the first one would be the Sugar Hill Gang era which is... Or, or the live band era where live bands would play Right. Uh, replay breaks and then rappers rhyme over them second era was like very early drum machines at the Roland 808 uh, DMX the Lindrum Mm -hmm. and then possibly a little scratch stab over over it and then eventually the scratch stabs became scratching longer phrases of music Mm -hmm. right now it's the 808 phase all over again yeah. Except instead of stabbing, uh, you know, throwing a, a scratch stab or scratching a musical phrase, they just use synthesizers. So it's kind of like oh. a hybrid of of that of the Molly Mall era and the New Jack Swing era, where Teddy Riley mixed hip hop drums with a lot of R and B. Okay. So these guys are mixing basically the the 808 drums that mm-hmm. we already used back in the 80s, right? With a lot of the synthesizer sounds that came out like in the in the mid to late 90s. Yeah. So. Everything kind of evolves, but then adds to, rolls over again. Right. Yeah. It, it, it always does that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I remember, um, you know, there's the record, A Dollar Bill, by um, my homeboy, uh, uh, Super Rhymes himself, Jimmy Spicer. Okay. Dollar Bill, y'all. Dollar uh-huh. Bill, y'all. And then it was sampled and, and done over again in the 2000s. And, you know, and that happens. And sometimes you never know. Cole Getting Dumb was done by Just Ice in the 80s and it was sampled and redone in the 90s. And, right. You know, so sometimes you don't even realize that that's an actual old rap record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Milk and Gizmo, the Audio 2 did top billing and then it was sampled by by 50 Cent for I get money. I get, you know, so the, right. the thing is always, you know, it's always recycled and, and mm-hmm. so every once in a while you get something real fresh. Yeah. But, you know, th- that's one of the lectures. Yeah. And, and then the last lecture I have is... um the Tao of hip hop, the way of hip hop, uh-huh. keeping it ethereal. It's like keeping it real, yeah, right. Ethereal because it's 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 not really tangible. Because I I argue that hip hop is not necessarily a culture, but more so of a process. Hmm. Why is that? 
because um, hip hop is different for everyone. Okay. Everybody yeah. claims hip hop is this that. We say hip hop is really the four elements, uh, you know, with the five elements. Four elements being, you know, MCing, DJing, b-boying, uh, aerosol art or graffiti, and mm-hmm. then the fifth element is knowledge of self. So that's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be. But I don't really prescribe to that because back in the seventies when there was a park jam, everybody in that park jam that went and partied, out of all of those people, very few of them practiced any of those elements. Right. There were a few B boys in the crowd. Mm-hmm. There was very there's even fewer DJs and DJ crews and MCs. Right. And then the graffiti riders weren't at the jams at all because they were at the yards, you know, writing on trains. Right. So what were most of the people doing there? Just dancing. Dancing their asses off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but they weren't break dancing as right. they called it later. They were yeah, b-boying yeah. or rocking or any of that. But they were hip hop. So they weren't any of the elements. Mm-hmm. But they were what mostly comprised of the hip hop scene. Then what were they? So I can't say that hip hop is an, an element based thing. Right. What, I'm, what I say is that hip hop is a process. Yeah. So in other words... it's like, and, and I have a theory. I call it the diffractive prism theory of hip hop where... Like a prism, when you shine light through it, it breaks into a whole bunch of different colors. Right. And hip-hop is your internal prism. And you filter your life experiences through that prism, and whatever comes out on the other side is what comes out. But the product is not hip-hop. The process of you filtering it is. I love that. So if you take a fedora hat, right, Mm -hmm. you know, and you put on an old dude, and it's just a fedora hat on an old dude, but you put it on Run DMC, and all of a sudden it's hip-hop. Right, Adidas have been around forever, but you throwing on a pair of uh, uh, run, you know, Run DMC throws on a pair of Adidas. They're hip hop. Mm-hmm. You give me two Billy Squire records, they're rock records. But when I am manipulating them, it's hip hop. The second I stop, they're just two rock records mm-hmm. again. Everybody wants you. Right. <laughs> hey. I love that song. I love that song too. I had that as a ringtone for a long time. Stroke I love it, stroke it. <laughs> so, so um, you know, when it comes to that. You know, that that dynamic, I feel that hip-hop is not a product. Mm-hmm. Because if that's the case, you could take somebody like Britney Spears and she could rap on a record, even scratch on it. Mm-hmm. Does that make it hip-hop? And somebody's going to say no. I'm like, well, then what? Why? Right, right. They're going to say the intent. But you didn't say that. You said hip-hop is the elements. She's practicing She's two practicing the elements. elements. So right. why is that not considered hip-hop? Yeah. Because people will say, well, the intent is not there. But you didn't say that when you defined hip-hop as a mm-hmm. culture, did you? Right. So... There's a lot of people that got into hip-hop that made great rap music, because rap music is not hip-hop. Hip-hop is a part of rap. Mm-hmm. A rap is a part of a hip-hop as a whole. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say that, then how can you tell How can you tell what anyone's intent was? One. Right. Two, some of these cats that were real dope actually got into it only for money. Yeah. So you're saying that's not hip-hop? Because some of those guys made some classic records. Right. So at what point do you determine what real hip-hop is what really isn't? So again, you're basing it on the product Right or the output, and I, not the the, the process, process of the creation of right. it, and the and the say the elements that may happen to be a part of it. Maybe there's two or three or four, or maybe just one or whatever. Well, right? there's a lot of cats that say, "Yo, I'm hip hop." Yeah, but they never really be boyed. Right, they're never rappers. I mean, they might have messed around and rapped a mm-hmm. little bit here, they were not right. really rappers. They're not DJs. They're not MCs. Mm-hmm. They don't do any graffiti. So how did how do you determine that you're hip hop? Right. And they and they determine it based on their intent or mm-hmm. what they feel. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then it's based on your filter of of events that that have occurred in your life. You right. filter things in a certain way, and that filtering process right. is what makes you hip hop. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, hip hop isn't the product, isn't the end result. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is the actual physical process. Yeah, 
I like that. Um, we were talking about so you you worked with Prince, yeah. Dear Departed, amazing, wonderful Prince, and can you talk about working with him a little bit? Yeah, Prince. I mean, he's a genius. You know, yeah. he was a genius. There's really not much you can say about yeah, that other than that. But right. the, the dude, um, you know, we had to do a recording, and you know, it was very limited interaction. So it wasn't yeah. like I did a whole song with him. Right. You know, it was really about uh, someone else that actually had record vocals for Prince. Happened to be there and record it. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, all the stories are true. He he offered to play basketball. There was no pa- there was no pancakes offered. Um, guys, obviously extremely talented. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a side of him that even he wishes people could see. Sure. But he doesn't know how to present it. Yeah. I talked with Miss Mavis Staples, who I also recorded with from Staples Singers. Yeah. And um, she and her sister Yvonne, who passed away, you know, recently fairly recently mm-hmm. um, we were talking about that and she said when she first met Prince it was right at a show he did it was, they were flown in Prince said I want them to come to the show and just flew them in mm-hmm. and they never met Prince and they were on the side of the stage and Prince came off the stage and Yvonne was telling me Yvonne Staples that he didn't get any acknowledgement from any of the people on his staff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. usually we get off stage. That was dope. That was great. You know, yeah, yeah. nothing. That's like people scared to say anything to him. So he walked up to back, you know, right to the side of the stage and Yvonne was there and she looked at him. She gave him a hug and he started crying. Yeah. And it's like, just like every other artist, we, we wish for people to understand. Yeah. And we all need people to appreciate the things mm-hmm. we do, right? No matter who you are, no how famous or whatever, you know, like like that was cool. Thank yeah. you, right? Yeah. But the thing is, you know, sometimes it's like I don't know Prince well enough to say, but maybe sure. maybe they maybe those people in his staff has said before, you yeah, that was great. And he's like, mm-hmm. I know. Right. And he's like, well, you know what? Maybe that's what he said. So it's like I guess right. I'm not gonna say that again. Right, I right. have no idea, but you know. Yeah. Um you know, and I end up becoming good friends with Cat Glover, his dancer. Oh, okay. Uh, for many years, and his confidant is a very good friend of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and she has given me insight into Prince's sure. life that that I didn't have at one point. And um, and at one point, I was supposed to actually redo Alphabet uh, Street. Alphabet City. Uh, Alphabet City. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with um. Alphabet Street. Yeah. Until totally, I was like, wait a minute, I, that's I, wrong. I, it's, <laughs> I, it's Alphabet Street. <laughs> with, with, with uh with her. She did, she was actually on the original record with him. Okay, okay. And um, we um, and we got we got blessings from Prince to redo it. Oh, okay. But uh, we never got a chance to do it. Oh, and Prince yeah. passed away, and then Cat mm-hmm. was inconsolable. So yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I, the, the, there was a documentary I watched um, that was sort of it was leading up to him passing. That was I like it was really heartfelt and really sort of showing sort of the people that lived close to Paisley Park and what he did with them and all of that and so much of that stuff he just didn't know you know yeah it's uh it's real sad yeah you know um it's tough and you know with your I know you know working with him and you I'm you we could sit here for I don't know probably two days and have you list everybody you've worked with because you've worked with everybody and their mama and um I like working with their mothers better (laughs) Hey, mommy. What's up, mommy? Uh, mommy. Oh, yeah, mommy. Get to get it. Um, I was just uh, visiting your uh, your homeland. I was just in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Me encanta. Uh, I know. We were just talking about that. And 
I know that you know you you family you've had you have family and back and forth down there, and I, you worked on um, an album to help support the relief efforts. And, yes, yeah. I um I hooked up with a friend of mine, Taina Asili, and Taina sang in multiple iterations of different crews, including a group that I worked with called Reconstruction. Okay, they were a Puerto Rican punk group. Okay, and the lead rapper singer from Reconstruction was not for profit. Mm. Um, he actually asked me to record with him so mm-hmm. we made an album under the name Ex Vandals okay. so Taina sang on that mm-hmm. years later I meet her because I was living upstate New York and I'm like what are you doing up here she's like I live here what are you doing up here I'm like I live here right. so it's like wow and one day her conga, con, conguero the guy that plays the congas for her couldn't show up for a gig so uh-huh. she called me she's like I know this is probably not your level of stuff anymore but you know I know we can't pay you as much I'm like just ask me what you want to ask me she goes um <laughs> You know, my conga player can't make it. And can you can you come to a gig? I'm like, right. oh, of course, you know. Yeah. So um, I came out. I played for her. So then I became a backup conga player. Oh wow! So one day um, we had a terrible accident, a terrible event, the hurricane that yeah. hit Puerto Rico that devastated the island. So she said, you know, I really feel strongly that we should put together an album. Mm. So what she did was she contacted multiple artists to submit music. Right. And then she was going to put on Sofrito, which is a song about her grandmother. Mm. And Sofrito is this this concoction we make that kind of goes in everything we cook. Okay. So, and but that's like kind of like the lifeblood of us, right. the Sofrito, right? So she wanted a, 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 a remix version, so I did a remix for that. And, um, and we raised money and it went to some grassroots organizations to help people on the island, yeah. of course, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's our, that's our home. Yeah, absolutely. And you have, and I loved it so much and it's been fun talking to you about it like just being there too you know and talking about food and everything else <laughs> you yeah. and I love the foods I'm so, a foodie yeah I'm a fungo and and uh, I've been listening and watching um, <coughs> your new project that you have with KJ yeah the Odyssey yeah the Odyssey will you tell everybody a little bit about that because that's all brand new and coming it's out it's brand new and, it's yeah. different it's weird he's like a six foot six inch South African skinny sting. <laughs> like he has a stingish type voice. You know, like it's weird, right? He does. I've talked to him on the phone because we're going to do a podcast with you and him right. in a bit. But yes. And yeah. uh, and then, you know, he wanted me to do scratching on some of his solo stuff he was going to do mm-hmm. after meeting him through the same people I met you through. Carl Jacobson. Oh, get out of and town. I, yeah, okay. man. Through Carl and all that okay. stuff and Cakewalk. He was a CEO of a company that made PCs for music. Okay. So I bought a bunch of PCs from him. Mm-hmm. He left that company, uh, and he wanted to do his music again. And mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, a bass player like he normally is, he wanted to be the front man. So he, right. I'm gonna do a solo album. He asked me to do some scratching and some stuff. I did. Then he's like, "Hey, you know, um, I need somebody to go on the road with me. Uh, you know anybody?" And then, and then it turned into a, "Hey, you know, let's let's be a group." And then it turned into, "Hey, you got any beats?" And you know, so it kind of graduated that way. So right. I sent him some stuff, and then it totally changed the trajectory of what he was working on. Sure. And it became this weird thing where I'm giving them these hard ass hip hoppy beats that meet electronica that also have some mm. jazz in it. Yeah, you know it's very musical. Mm. So even though the drums are hard on some hip hop stuff, and I'm doing some scratching, I'm right. also playing keyboard on yeah. it. I played bass on a lot of the stuff, even wow. and then I had Kevin replay it. Cool. Um, uh, played percussion, some mm. drums, and then I he even got me singing background on a lot yeah. of the stuff. So yeah. you know, and you have a video out. Yes, we have a video called Alone. Mm. It's on our website. The Odyssey dot uh, com t h e o d d y s y dot com and um, 
We also have Incantation, the first yep. song that we put out, mm-hmm. which is more drum and bass, electronica-ish than Alone. Mm-hmm. Alone is, like, if you took his vocals off, it'd be a rap record. Yeah. Well, until the chorus. Right. Because then it, the chord and changes it, and yeah. stuff. It does different it's things. It's layered. It's super layered. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like a, it's like a jazz meets soul meets mm-hmm. meets hard hip-hop. Plus, but his voice is so so ethereal. It yeah. floats over everything. It's, and it, it's, a, it's a great combination. I mean, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, everybody feels this stuff is great. I feel this stuff is unique. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it has a voice, and I think people could really uh, it'll resonate with a lot of people. Yeah, because the the, the subject matters. It's pretty much my life over the past two years, and maybe even Kevin, yeah. uh, KJ's the the stuff that he he was able to tap into a lot of the pain I was going through mm-hmm. with his lyrics, and he felt musically what I was trying to say, and yeah. he did it he did it vocally. And, Phenomenal mind reading skills for KJ. Right. And if, if you've ever been through a lot of pain at one time mm-hmm. and didn't know why or, or knew why but couldn't stop it or any of that stuff, you'll feel this album because it really, it really speaks to, mm-hmm. you know, exactly, you know, the process that you go through with the ups and downs until yeah. you figure out yourself. Mm, it, yeah, I connected with it for sure. It was, yeah. And knowing you too and knowing, you know, you right. must be in friends and stuff, like watching you go through this process, it's been, it's been really lovely and I know it's been tough. So it's, uh, I, I love that you have something new that you're passionate about. And oh yeah. You know, I mean, you're passionate about everything, but like, but, but you know what I mean? But like something that's able to take what you go through and I mean, that's why we make art, right? That's why we share that so that, we all feel not so alone. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's exciting. So, and there's more album to come and more songs, and that's coming out. That should be out at the beginning of the year. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to come out already. Yeah. But we've had a few major setbacks. I lost mm-hmm. my grandmother at the beginning of the year, yeah. and that kind of set me back a lot. Mm-hmm. Then I also moved. That set us back, and then we also had other things we were working on mm-hmm. that kind of pushed back a little bit. Yeah, and plus we have some guest appearances on the album. Okay, that kind of pushed stuff back. We yeah. have Charlie Brown from Leaders of the New School. We have DMC from oh, DMC. We yay. have Chuck D. Mm-hmm. We have Keith Murray. Oh wow, cool! Mm-hmm. And then awesome. um, uh, reached out to Vernon Reed from Living Color. He, oh wow, he, he maybe he may do a guitar piece, uh-huh. and then Davey DMX from uh, the legendary Davey DMX. Uh, plays guitar on a joint, believe mm-hmm. it or not. He was part of a group called Orange Crush back in the days. It's a song called Action. Okay. Uh, but he also produced a lot of Run DMC stuff. Nice. Yeah, speaking of... And we're going to get KJ on, and we're going to do one and go a little deeper into your process and stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned DMC, so fun, fun fact. So I got another Microsoft gig where I was working for Massive, who did all the advertising inside of Guitar Hero and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. So Guitar Hero 4 was coming out. And I had met Juice at uh, NAM, and I was in New York, and I called him up, and I was like, hey, I'm putting this thing together with advertising teams where we're going to make them teams. They're going to be bands. And we're going to have a Garage Hero 4 you know, contest, right? And I had to find a venue and everything. And remember, I got that venue, and then some crazy... The west side of Manhattan, yeah. Yeah, well, it was originally supposed to be at the David Copperfield place, right. and then some crazy stuff went down, and mm-hmm. the doors were locked, and then right. I had to move it over to... That's right. That? Yeah, the Chelsea... I can't remember what that was, that venue. I remember the name of the venue, but I remember yeah. it was moved, and that venue was actually nice. Yeah, I liked that venue, too. But I would talk to him, and I was like, hey, would you think about being a guest judge for me, right? And 
He said yes, which was great. Oh, yeah. And I said, uh, so do you think, you know, you can just get somebody else? And what you said to me was this. You said, yeah, yeah, I'll get you somebody else. I'll get D. And I was like, okay, um, who's D? And you're like, uh, Daryl. And I'm like, again, who are you talking about? <laughs> and you're like, DMZ, you know, Daryl D from Red D. I was like, oh. <laughs> and that was hilarious. And he loved that. I know. He had such a good time. He's a sweetheart. And yeah, it was so, I, it was just funny because we, we sort of knew each other, but not so well that I knew who D was in your life. You know what I mean? Right. Like- <laughs> you know, I have to, sometimes I have to, you know, I have to kind of step back and say, you know what? They might not know. Right. That, you know, I see, I see these people because I've known them for so long. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, my daughter was calling DMC Uncle Daryl, right? Right, of course. So she would tell everybody, you know, she knows Uncle Daryl and Uncle Joe. Right. Run DMC. Uh-huh. Right? So she was in she was in elementary school, so she goes to the library. Uh-huh. Like, this is second grade or something like that. Right. First time they really go to the library library. Right, right. So somebody pulls out a book, and it's a, Run DMC, it's a book about Run DMC. She's right. like, hey, I know that. That's Uncle Daryl and Uncle Joe. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, kids like, what do you mean that's Uncle Joe? What, is, what are you talking about? <laughs> So, yeah, you know, so my her teacher was like, you know, I think your daughter's telling like you know little lies, little right. white lies. She says she's Uncle Down, Uncle Joe, and my daughter's like half Puerto Rican, half black. Right. So she's not as dark as Run and D. Uh-huh. So she's like, you know, she's saying that those are her uncles. I'm like, well, they kind of are. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, so I explained, and they're like, oh, oh. So, you know. <laughs> You know, so it's real funny sometimes. Yeah, I don't rec- I don't realize that you know, these are guys I just know. Well, sure. And now you know the, you and I've been friends for I, I don't know close to a decade now. Like now I know who you're talking about when you say you know someone's name or their their you know performer name or their DJ name. You know what I mean? Right. I know who you're talking about now. But that was funny because that was sort of the first time we'd sort of worked together in that right. way, and it was a, it was great. And and he came out um, to Sonoma County couple of years later because he does lectures as well yes and so he did a history of hip-hop <coughs> lecture and i know does the comic-con stuff and um so yeah so it's been it's been fun sort of seeing how people start off one place and then do all kinds of different things you know do you have anybody you're producing right now that you want to talk about and um, tell people about other than uh, the odyssey i'm producing charlie brown and dinko they call New School Inc. Mm-hmm. Other than Leads in New School. I'm also doing Leads in New School stuff. I did an artist called Haiku. H-I-C-O-U-P. Hmm. And he's an actual artist artist. He actually paints. Oh, wow. But he also is a phenomenal rapper. We did an album called Beast of Burden uh-huh. where every title is, has an animal. Oh, wow. Cool. So there's Monkey Suit. There's Crocodile Tears. Uh-huh. You know, there's cool. this booze hound yeah you know because he had a problem with alcohol at one time okay. so all of the songs have a beast in it right and then the second side are all titles of songs that show what the burden of being a black man is supposed to be wow so the beast of burden is that album it's on the haiku haiku's website haiku.com mm-hmm. but um i'm also working with uh with a couple of film companies because i do movie scores Right, film you were telling me about the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Talk, talk a bit about that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I worked on this this movie called "On the Shoulders of Giants" for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, it was based on his book, and it's about the first all-black or African-American uh, basketball team, pro basketball team called the Harlem Rens. Okay, short for the Harlem Renaissance. Oh, right. And okay. they were attached to the Harlem Renaissance Hotel and mm-hmm. Casino or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So these guys, and they had a black owner. Okay. Uh, so Bob Johnson. So. 
there's a lot of firsts, you know, and they won a world championship. Huh. And they whipped, and this is before there was an NBA. Right. You know, they would do barnstorming. They would go around the country and, and go into barns and play other basketball teams, and, oh, they, would, wow. and they would whip them, you know. Uh-huh. And, and, and they would do this while... They would get tripped by the people watching the game, really, or, or get the people would try to stab them with with stuff. On wow! The, uh, yeah, so they, they were. It wasn't just five on five; it was five on on, on everybody. everybody. <laughs> and, uh, and these guys were ridiculous. And um, wow. yeah, I learned a lot working on that. And I got yeah. to work with Herbie Hancock, with Marsalis, Will I Am, Chuck, yeah. uh, Bill Cudliff. So we got a few NWCB Image Award nominations. Yeah. Uh, you know, for best album, which was me, mm. uh, best dual group collaboration, best uh, documentary, one best documentary. Mm. Uh, so it was a great process, and and, and working with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was 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 great. He's a f- brilliant man, by mm-hmm. the way. So yeah, and you've, I mean, you you've won, you have a Grammy, and you've been nominated for Emmy Emmys awards, and, and we got oh. platinum albums, and, 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 and uh, who cares? Um, I mean, you know, yeah, but I mean, that, it's, that, it's nice to be recognized by certain entities yeah. for your work. Right. Yeah, I mean that's cool, but sometimes those are all just a big popularity contest. Well, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the Long Island Music Hall of Fame, but I'm also on the Education Advisory Board for them, mm. which I find more important. Actually. Yeah, right. And then I'm, you know, then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction in 2013, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like really, I yeah. Mean, who cares? Well, it's also about like you know getting to like have that experience with the other people and that's that's you know, what that's what it's like all about. green room fun and all you know what i mean like meeting oh, yeah. people and yeah, hanging out with you know with tom petty i got to speak to him for like half an hour 45 minutes never met the dude great guy right and then of course he passes away recently yeah. so i got you know i got a chance to talk to him you know and th- those things i find more important than yeah. any of the accolades and other stuff. yeah but those sometimes lead to those cool conversations or things because you're you're in the same place at the same time because of something something something. You oh know? yeah, and yeah. I was talking to David Grohl about him playing the devil in uh, the Pick of Destiny. Tenacious D's the Pick of Destiny. I mean, out of all the things we could talk about, it's like Nirvana, no, Foo Fighters, no. Yeah. Yo, so how was it playing the devil in the Pick of Destiny? He's like, oh, it was great, but uh, super cool. eight hours of makeup was terrible. You know, so that regular conversations with people like that, yeah. Are great. Yeah, I know. I was telling you that he had that Dave Grohl handed my mama brisket. Yes, last month, and I was like, that is the coolest thing that mama, I've. Mama, mama brisket. <laughs> mama brisket. I know, for sure. So, you know, you do so many things, and I love it that you have, you have such a passion for education and the lecturing. And I've seen you spin. I and you spent you um, that night. We did the garage band. You not only did the judging stuff, but you were there playing. You know, doing your scratching and stuff. And I guess. You know, I, I f- like I. You're a master turntablist. Like I, I watch you, and I'm just I'm always every time blown away. Where's your Where's that happy place for you? I knew I know you do so many things, but like when you're like, this is it. This is my jam. This is my element. This is my thing. Like, what is it that you're doing in that area? You know, or what, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's everything. My happy place is whatever I'm at, where I'm at. Yeah. Um. It might be me scratching a record right now. It might yeah. be me uh, going on a two-mile swim. Mm-hmm. It might be me sitting on the beach. Yeah. It might be me playing with my grandkids. Right. It might be me playing with a nice young lady. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you never know. My, my, my happy place yeah. is whatever's happening at the time. I, I live my life going forward mm-hmm. saying, you know, I'm grateful for whatever happens. Yeah. And I'm try to, I try to be present mm-hmm. as much as I can. Yeah. Which is essential for happiness and 
It's actually essential for being good at a lot of different things. If you want to be good at one thing, fine. If you want to be good at everything, be present. Because mm. if you're present, you concentrate on what you're doing, and nothing else matters but that thing right. at that time. Yeah. Do you have um, maybe a piece of advice for people coming up in the world? I mean, I think you kind of just gave a heck of a lot of it, but anything else? Yeah, Imparting. man, don't listen to a word I just said. <laughs> Go out there and find <laughs> what makes you happy. Yeah. And when you find it, cultivate it. Mm. Get good at things. Learn. Never stop learning. Yeah. I mean, anything else, it doesn't matter. Never stop learning. Because the, the, when you stop learning, that's when you start dying. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for talking to me. Thank I mean, you. I know. I'm like, we've been talking all <laughs> for a while. Anyway, this, is, this is actually part eight. <laughs> That's just me of a two thousand, a two thousand part series, <laughs> an ongoing conversation with Hedda and Johnny Chu. No doubt. <laughs> awesome. Well, y'all, um, thank you so much, honey. I appreciate it. You're and um, everyone, that's uh, maybe to do a better podcast again. Have a beautiful day, and uh, more soon. The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.